Guess what, everyone? It's the Young and Old Show. Edition 16 for the Young and Old Show here on WSQF. Blink Radio, keep it scanning, 94.5. This is yours truly, Mac and a Rock, in association uh, with the collective Democratic representative of Socialist America, Alejandro, the radio socialist. How in the hell are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Um, no, no, it, it, pretty and good sometimes are symbiotic. But if you're pretty good, that means that you could be better. Yeah, that that's exactly what I'm implying. Yeah, meaning so, you could be more handsome. You could be like you could be as well, handsome as I am. I, you know, I I, I have ne- I, I've never met men as beautiful as you. Woo! I've never met Adonis's. That's the way to go, baby. Like you. Fat and beautiful, you know I don't got AIDS. That's all I can tell you. What's up? There, uh, we left a really good show. Our last show was fantastic because I can always count on the radio socialists to debate everything that I know to be true, like the people falling in the middle of the uh, of a sports program, in the middle of a newscast, in the middle of a military hearing. Anywhere in any place, TED Talks, I don't think it has happened in TED Talks, but live presentations, uh, news uh, <clears throat> uh, news conferences, people are just falling by the wayside. Some people survive and some people so, die. So what's your background in understanding this, that this is the occurrence? Well, Moderna's president just came out saying that he has a new uh, medication for heart failure. There's my background. It's That's... all been a racket by the NIH and the World Health Organization. That's why Trump defunded it while he was president. Everybody was appalled. How dare he? Well, it's... so that, that, that's not really a background. Okay. So, um, so the background the is... is a background is a proper understanding of science. How, yes, in the scientific community. Oh no, these are the ones that are lying to us. Well, here's the thing: how do we manage to figure that out? Well, because when they stand, the, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. I had uh, very prominent doctors. I can't speak for them, but Dr. Malone was one of them who invented the RNA vaccine. Him and a group of people came out publicly, given that we didn't hear it live, but we heard the snippets of their uh, their proclamation, their news uh, conference. Uh, their, I would say, proclamation. It didn't seem like there was news conference, and they said, "Hey, stop the vaccine for children." And young adults, it's killing them. They have healthy hearts, and they're, and they're getting myocarditis. I think that's a known fact. But so who is this guy in question that you were saying? Doctor Malone. Sorry, folks. Since I'm going to be talking, uh, I'm sorry. I got to do the cough suppressant thing again, so you're going to be hearing. Because here, here's more or less the reality on how. Science is super, the right should like science because science is super hierarchical. You know, it's super community-based. It's super focused on a group of professionals who are obsessive in their field. So, Especially if they're getting funded by the NIH. They become obsessive. So you're right. There are issues with funding. There are issues with these sorts of things. However, one can see that, you know, this is one of the few places that we kind of want a market system and some sort of competition. While for the are, money or for the solution? For solutions. But money is a huge issue. 
It is a huge issue. So that's one, like we say, like, I want more subsidies into green energies because we struggle with finding the solutions to this sort of thing. Well, we know it's not windmills and we know it's not batteries. Well, windmills but, are something that's been around for a very, very long time. That's yeah, on some, on some guy's farm, but that's so about it. So batteries are actually recyclable. Yes, and toxic. So these issues are already being dealt with. Uh, very slowly. Which, which, when it comes to it, so. And you would need, I think Elon Musk said this. You can, we can go look for it on the internet. Because I've been listening to a lot of Elon lately. And uh, for the obvious reasons. It's ever since I bought real estate in Cape Canaveral, uh, I had been studying Elon, which prompted me to buy land around the rockets. And literally right in front of the rocket on the water there on the Indian River. Because I put my money where my dreams are. And uh, I'm looking forward to meeting him. So anyway, uh, the big Falcon rockets could be launching soon with a, an unidentified cargo. Secret. Top secret. And it's, uh, it's going to launch at 5.55 on Saturday p.m., which happens to be my lucky number. So I saw that today. I was very moved by that because had my property been built or developed, I would be standing there right now, very tempting to smoke a cigar and a barbecue and watch that baby go. Damn, that's, that is beyond excitement. I've been uh, wanting to be an astronaut since I was a stuttering little kid. And I end up being a cashier at a hardware store. Talk about America the Beautiful. The only thing I was good at was applying an idea and make it and make it happen. What was your idea? Continue, please. You're looking. Uh, no, who is the guy who did the RNA vaccine that you're talking about? Who came the, the inventor of the RNA vaccine's last name is Malone, and he came out saying that they misused my science, my patent, to create a, a RNA vaccine for COVID. And he says that that has altered the immune systems of young people. And not everyone, obviously. I know people who have taken three doses and are doing just fine. Most of them that I've interacted with are over 50. But all the young people that I know uh, aren't even mentioning it. So they must be doing fine. They're not even talking about it. They just went ahead and got it right away. I know my children got it to not infect me. So it was very nice of them to do it. Obviously, it was not on my urging, but they did it anyway. They could care less what I had to say. But by the time I got it, after my friend passed away, as I said in our last show, we're on our 16th show here today on The Young and Old. I'm getting uh, re-inspired in 2023 because I met the radio socialist in none other than the last year of the Donut Gallery. So the Donald Gallery has always uh, paid its promise to me. I've met more interesting people at the Donald Gallery than anywhere else in my life. And I've been able to get on my soapbox there than anywhere else in my life, second only to the Oasis if, if I feel that way that particular day. But it's been one and two, one and two my whole life. The Oasis and the Donald Gallery, that's been my life here in Cuba Scan. If I were to say it in a couple words, it would have to be the the Donut Gallery and the Oasis paves the way for you all to see a, a clear view of things. 
Yeah, should we get the um, should we get them on the show so they can talk about what's happening? Because it sounds like everyone on the island is pretty upset about that. Yeah, I don't think anybody cares until they lose something, you know. Uh, I'll never be the same without my Ted special. Forty-two years and counting, at least two or three times a week, minimum. Sometimes every single day. But uh, it also uh, guaranteed that I would remain, you know, 250 pounds or heavier for the remainder of my life. But I might start losing weight now because unless I keep up with a good breakfast. uh, You might be at the age where it's better to be a little bit more vegetarian. Oh, like go down to eating fish. Did you have to stick it to me like that, man? My, it's it's been working for a lot of people who I know. I love age. fish. I they, love they, fish. They, they, they're all running now. They're yeah, like fish. Well, but well, here's the, the thing: I quit red meat, and it's been great for me. You don't look great. I look fantastic. Woo! What's up? Jeez. You and I are probably if we put ourselves out there, yeah, we'd be superhero magazine sexiest men back to back, and we'd have to be banned. Because we break, we break it for everybody. Can we get a comic book going? Yeah. And you be the daredevil and I be the villain? Oh, Kingpin. I'd be the Kingpin. Have you seen Kingpin? No. Kingpin's super cool, but he's like a big fat guy. Yeah, that's why he calls me the fat, Kingpin. Guy, and he runs, like, um, he runs the mob in New York. But what's kind of cool about him is that he doesn't really have any powers. But he's just so fat and strong that he like gives all these other superheroes a run for their money. What's up? He intimidates the hell out of them. Yeah, it, it, it's he actually they had a really good portrayal of him on the Netflix Daredevil show. So I would be I would be the King Pinhead. Yeah, if you shave. Oh, I'd have to shave my beard. You have or to shave, shave my head and your hair because he's just bald he, too. Oh no no no! I ain't willing to go bald, man. I got more hair than you've had meals. Come on, man. That's probably true. Although you got a lot of hair on your head too. You know, it's, is that from mom or dad? Uh, dad. Dad's got a lot of hair. Dad never lost his hair, so I got lucky. Yeah, my, my father, mom's dad lost my all father. Of his hair. My father, who passed away, got rest his soul, but he didn't even have gray. You know, he had minor gray. Like I, I think I'm more gray than he was at 74. I am today. Now, of course, I'm completely white beard. I mean, I can easily, you know, participate in Santa Claus. Uh, you know, with uh, Santa Claus helper and nativity scene, if I wanted to. Um, well, that's a kind of kind of a oxymoron. Sorry, a nativity scene in Santa Claus. Did you ever they read don't go any together. comic books? Huh? Did you ever read any comic books? Growing yeah, up? man. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, see what I mean? The cost of presents. I need to have them. Uh, I definitely. Uh, I, I can't tell you what my favorite was. I know there was a there was a guy who was half man, half machine that I enjoyed a lot. I don't remember his name. If you said the name, I would remember. But, you know, of course, Spider-Man, Thor, Captain America. Were you a Marvel guy? I, I would say I'm a Marvel guy. I, I would have to say that, that that's one side of the fence that we're both on, is that we're both Marvel kids. Yeah, I, I was, um, it was before I moved out here, and it was before I started liking it, girls, it, and it was before You wonder sports. where I had my political awakening was actually because of the treatment that <coughs> comic creators would get, is that they would lose out on all of the copyright. The guys who would like make the characters would completely lose out on the copyright. Um, like Stanley, like Stanley was a writer for a lot of these comics, but for a very long time until like he got older, Stanley would be like, "I invented Thor," you know, because Thor would swing around his hammer and and they stole him from and they stole him from me. Well, he he made up 
he gave himself more credit than what was due at the time. Like, you know, there was a guy called Jack the King Kirby, who um, really put together a lot of the guys in Marvel. Um, and even the guys in DC. Um, DC Comics? DC that? Comics, the two boys who made Superman, actually lost the rights because they enlisted in World War II. Whoa. So to me, that was like, oh, it's like, oh, you know, I, I have. They, they were Superman in their own right. Yeah, no, yeah. You know, they, they got punished for doing the right thing in that case. Uh, well, and then they probably didn't know to get the copyrights, or they were that young, they, or they just didn't The believe. industry was just so ruthless. It was an absolute, cruel, ruthless industry. And then until, like, the 90s, um, Todd McFarlane... Hey, man, from World War II to the 90s, that's a long... Ruth- well, exactly. This is how... That's decades of ruthlessness. That, that's how um, unfair the comic industry really was. It was just the publisher gets everything, and you go take a hike. Your blessing is getting to work on something... And then having not not getting the right to monetize your creation, so it wasn't until the '90s when um, what was his name? And I'll do respect. Um, Todd McFarlane, I know it. Um, started Image Comics with another couple of guys who were big name comic publishers because the big thing that was happening in the '80s was the invention of the superstar. You know, where the guys who were writers and artists started getting the following. You know, it was like the creators were finally getting. You know. It started with O'Neill, I believe, on his Batman run in particular. Then you had guys like Frank Miller and Alan Moore who made the breakout hits uh, with Watchmen in The Dark Knight Returns. Um, and that gave them kind of the leverage they needed. You know, that creators now had their own name. You know, they were more powerful than the editor in some way. So they finally kind of branched off and started doing their own thing with Image. And then third-party publishers started allowing a lot of people to make their own stories, and then own the copyright for that. Which gets me in a lot of trouble with a lot of people on the left, is that because of this, I'm pro-copyright. That I, because people will cite the problem with copyright. Jesus, one of, those, one, one of the most innovative and, and real and authentic property rights legislation in, in all the world. I mean, the, America is known for its patents and its copyrights because we uphold them in court. So... Obviously, it's a place where you can come in and market your idea. The ca- Elon Musk is perfect. He, the he could have never the, done Tesla in South Africa. The counterpoint is is that you have companies like Disney, right? And mind you, like this is going to upset everybody's girlfriends, but Disney, um, ever since, I want to say, the death of Walt, is just a vampire company. And it, it's almost like Demos, like... It's they suck, like you're the, saying that they suck innovation from everyone? Not even just suck innovation. It, it's They suck other cunt cultures. It's like almost this like dec- decrepit face of Americans. Yeah, that's why he failed because in Paris. It's like, t- t- take the, yeah, but like, take did for example... Clo- did they ever close Walt Disney Kingdom in Paris or it stayed open somehow? I have no idea. I'm going to look that up. That's really um, cool because I heard that Paris... Re- but uh, like, I remember... Parisians would refuse to go because it was too Americana well, for them. Well, kind I kind of have, like, a distaste for Disney because, like, take about, like, something like Aladdin, Little Mermaid, you know, Hercules, you know, anything you can pretty much name. Even Frozen, the more recent ones. Like, How about oh, oh, Toy Story wasn't Disney? No, Toy Story was Pixar, but still it's owned by them. But, like, a lot it of It was. These, it was. He sold like, it. Like, they take all of these folklore from other societies and then make a movie and then copyright it. So, huh. So it's like that that's kind of the argument that they have is that like a company like Disney takes stories that are kind of in the public domain, 
I think there has been a long battle they have over Zoro, and it becomes theirs. Like, they Disneyfy it, they rip out the fangs, they smoothen off the edges, and that that's what becomes of it, which is pretty funny. That Well, Walt was uh, ingenious in one aspect alone that you can't tell me. Very unpopular at the time, but he pulled it off. Notice, in a completely opposite direction that the that was politically correct of its time the men the men and the uh, the men were always the heroes and the women were always the villains not really yeah what what exception um Alice in Wonderland what Alice in Wonderland and what and uh, Alice is kind of the hero of her own story she's trying to get through and she's fighting an evil queen the the queen of hearts Evil Queen. Yeah. Okay. So, so he, he did go. his fair share of female protagonists on the side. No, tell me, give me some other ones. There are. There are. They're not protagonists. They are kind of like e- supporting e- even actors. Pinocchio, there's no evil female. I guess you're thinking of Maleficent, which has like the hero. No, I wouldn't possibly think that's way. Of, that's that's which is Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. E- Everyone loves the the evil witch in that movie. Ah, because she but has look, a Corella, lot of stuff. Corella Deville. I you know you can name them all. He had a serious problem with his, I, I with guess his what's, mother. What's fun? He must have. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, there was always the villain in all the Disney movies are female. It, it's really funny that he really. Um, it's funny because I remember like I think a New York Times article. Notice he invented Mickey before Minnie. Uh, no, actually, he invented Oswald the Rabbit and lost rights to it. So then he made Mickey Mouse. As a, as an alternative, as an alternative, I believe. Wow, that you can only get here on the Young and Old show. <laughs> that is that's a eureka moment for me. Man. Yeah, no, I would, uh, uh, so that that's um, what's really kind of interesting about Walt Disney is that he really changed. He took the world by storm with Snow White. He and took mo- a huge, and moving pictures and he, he took a huge loan from Bank of America. Like it was a really risky loan that they gave him. They weren't happy about it. Um, and then when he had accomplished it, this was like a technological marvel, a feat. And then, you know, Pinocchio was pretty well received, too. There was even a line in, like, the New York Times, I believe. One of the big ones um, that said, Let, let's, let's say nothing about, like, a generation that could have produced art like this that is a lost one. Wow. So I always kind of, uh, I think about that quote a lot. Um, well, you could also thank the New York Times for always being out of touch with America. Um, and then more or less what happened is that he did Fantasia. And I, I, I noticed, because I didn't like Fantasia as a kid. I thought it was all over the place and weird. And then critics did not like Fantasia. And then Disney was always kind of mad around the rest of his life. What's a general theme of Fantasia? Remind the audience. Cause Fantasia I... was the one with like, you know, the dancing hippos and crocodiles, the devil, Mickey and the wizard hat. And the dancing brooms. It was the musical one. Wow! It was set to that. And yeah, you got me going. He, he, uh, I don't he never, remember any of that. He never really got over. He never really got over the response to that. It was something he never really calmed down with. You know, it took him a while for him to just admit that he wanted to do easy to please movies. You know, someone in the '60s told him like, "All your movies are corny," and he was like, "I I love corny." Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so well, it was it, a place to to attract families. But that underlying um, a man, uh, you know, was so visionary because obviously what's missing in our society today is the, is the father. Somebody said a perfect meme today 
what the black population needs is a father, not reparations. And I think they need reparations. Uh, you know, look at him. Go for they it. They do. Um, give your uh, give you three it, minutes it, it, for here's reparations. The, here's the big thing: is that what happened with? Yeah, white did you own slaves, or did you? It's not about owning slaves. Is that why should I pay for something I never did? You're punishing me for I something. I mean, we're Cuban. That, we're Cuban. We might have. <laughs> We might have owned. You mean We're we, Cuban. <laughs> we might have weighed them and. and we might have them. owned slaves in some way, yeah. Uh, but very much. Um, what, what's really kind of hit the black community is that they never re- in America, black Americans. I want to say because across the board, immigrants do better than natural born Native Americans. You know, white, black, all the colors. Immigrants do better than every group. Like even black immigrants uh, commit less crime than white Americans. Who've been born in the country is one statistic, but very much what's happened is that this is a community that was like not given its four acres. Do so I use a proverbial liberal response to that? Well, there's more white people than black people. Of course, they're going to commit more crimes. Oh, that too. Um, that I think too. they're they're both factors, um, as I would say. But like they never got their proverbial horse and a mule, or four acres and a mule was the saying. You know, is that um, when the Homestead Act, something I brought up earlier, when Manifest Destiny started is that everyone who was in the military, more or less, had something to gain out of this war. They had something to gain out of the war with the Indians and the Mexicans. And what happened is that reconstruction reconstruction came, right? You don't mention the GI Bill. Well, the GI was another thing that came Oh, you're saying at the time of the Manifest Destiny. But yeah, but even before that, with reconstruction, because this is how old the problem is, is that with reconstruction, um, who were bailed out, more or less, were the previous slave owners. Right. And then they stopped all of the uh, the efforts to emancipate black Americans. So what we had was the population. They or black, Southern, white, Southern, white Southerners. They stopped really the emancipation of the the black Americans there who were just freed. So they yeah, they even really slaughtered. Have... This is something that I wish uh, someone would research because I don't even know how to this start. is pretty well archived. So it was like then the Ku Klux the slaughtering Klan came. and the and the and the obliteration of a southern city that was black owned, black banks, black finance. Oh, the um, I, I believe the name of that town. Yeah, I looked, terrible, up, I, looked terrible. Up, I looked it up in a bit. So, but what essentially what you saw along the lines was during this very pivotal moment, and then they went up north, and they weren't treated much better there. So, what they had was that the black American population kind of settled around places. And what they did really well was that they they made the culture. They did music. Yeah, they but, did we, dance, we, but you got to finish they, that they, statement. They never owned anything they, that gave them intergenerational you're wealth. Le- you're leaving the audience out. They settle around places like cities for employment. Yeah, but you got to say reason for settling around a particular city. It's got to be jobs. But it was like none of that wealth was generational. Right, is the major problem. You can thank the Democratic Party. That's my point. I would say the Democrats, in many ways, have failed black America, yes. Big time. Handouts, welfare, doubling the welfare, tripling the welfare. So, but like, that's why there needs to be some sort of effort to all that crap suck. No, but like, here's the thing is that ending, starting the civil rights and ending Jim Crow got us to see a lot more black billionaires. Like, you know, we might be, like, you know, we might be concerned. Precisely. We might be concerned with some of the stuff that, like, you know, the rap culture the ri- says. The rising but the, the tide fact that it, lifts it, all ships. What? That old cliche, the rising tide lifts all ships. But the fact is, is that black billionaires, even if they come out of, like, hip-hop or whatnot, this is a good sign of 
they're now owning their money. They're now in charge of record Absolutely. labels. They are doing their own culture. Yes. So it's the thing is that when we talk about reparations, we're talking... Find an example to other blacks with innovative minds. So it's like what we're talking about is that we're trying to create intergenerational wealth. We're trying to make money that they hand down to their kids because that is kind of how a community unless you get a liberal uh, taxing the hell out of inheritance then it all just ends with one generation and trump you know that trump made made people with 20 million dollars in assets or less tax-free did you know that while he was president and biden hasn't touched it thank god the whole the whole reason for the american dream the manifest destiny the, the in God we trust all the different types of messaging in the great wild wild west that is the United States is generational wealth to be able to guarantee in some bizarre way like a magic wand magic hand to guarantee your your siblings sorry your children a better life than you had and only in America. Has that been able to be consistently achieved until now because of the uniparty and the monopoly power of Democrats in all 50 states? I mean, now that's happening because Republicans suck at rhetoric right now. So I think uh, the biggest problem that Republicans do have is they don't want to play by the rules that are written by Democrats. They don't really want to. I've always felt it's the opposite. It's the no, Democrats who think don't about play it. Mail in, ba- mail in balloting. I, I was fighting with um, COVID was one of my p- friends, and they were just like, you know, I think the worst thing Trump did is that he ended civility, right? And I lost my mind. It was like someone said a terrible about one of my close family members before me. And I was just like, what? Can I say the H word, the place that you go after you die? You go to hell, yeah. Yeah, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? If anything, that's the best thing that Trump did across the board for all Americans is that we have we can finally stop respecting PC. people in power because Politically they're in power. correct, yes. And, and, I, and I was like, that was a good thing because it was like, how would I put it? Unvarnished truth. It, 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 it's what well, we get to we get to freaking talk now. We get well, to sit it's down how and we you get and the, I, it's we how get you and I, it out. Yeah, it's how you and I, you know. Toasted and talked because, at bars. Because beforehand, it was just like, oh, this person is a congressman. I don't care that he's like believes in witches. Oh, you know, I don't care if Hillary Clinton literally blew up Libya and had nothing to show for it and then flooded the place. And got with away guns. with it. Yeah. Like, and that was the thing is that, you I know, the only the Republicans argument, did those things. Like, you know, on both sides of the aisle, we saw that there were clowns. There were neocons on both sides. Yeah. But you um, definitely got to leave the bar alone. So we, we saw play, that there play was with th- the handle there. Yeah. We saw that there were clowns on both sides of the aisle. And we weren't allowed to call it out. We can't like you know, we couldn't say like, oh, Louis Gomhart just sounds like a foghorn leghorn impression gone awry or, you know a Texas Christian Longhorn I mean horn the horn frog or horny frog. <laughs> What's it called? Horn frog. Now I say here that <laughs> I got to meet him at the uh, Republican convention one year. You know, like we, we were all restrained with a sort of level of respectability that wasn't helping anybody. Like, no one had anything to gain out of it because, you know, an Obama or a George Bush would go, hush, hush now, because our party leaders were so respectful. You Why know? weren't Democrats upset with Obama after he got elected and then he operated like a white guy? 
I don't, he, he, in his own words, he said a black Republican. He said, a, uh, he, said he was a Sandman. He said a black Republican were his own words um, when it came to how he governed in particular. I, you know what? When I, come to, when I think of him as a ninja, where he got up in the morning and he fired a, a drone at somebody, he killed a lot of terrorists while he was there. People cannot deny that. He was uh, on a very, very intense in killing terrorists. No one can say that he was Muslim after yeah. killing terrorists. So I never really went that route, and I didn't never had the rhetoric of him being born in Africa and all that stuff. I didn't believe any of that. But I did believe that he did accept, as an adult, as a mature adult, he didn't have rights to his birth uh, citizenship when he accepted foreign aid to Occidental College. And as a result, he's been living somewhat of a lie. So you're just saying that he cheated for financial aid, basically. But it, but there's ramifications that you can't claim your citizenship back that your mom took away from you. But you, you accept that he is America-born? I, I believe he was America-born. Okay, so, so the charge is here, for the sake of everybody in the audience, is not a birther charge. It's what you're saying is that you cheated on his financial aid. He denied himself his own citizenship that he had the right to reclaim after his mom had denied or had uh, rescinded his citizenship when she married Barry Satoro. He, he, he was Hawaiian Clinton in my eyes. I think I believe he was born there. I, I don't he, think he was Hawaiian. I don't Cl- think that Barack Obama was his dad. You're trying to throw no, that no, one no, out. no, no. I, I'm saying that like I do believe Cl- Clinton was a very much a Southern guy in some ways. Well, he was. His he last was name, very much a Southern boy. He wasn't Clinton though. Yeah, his father uh, had a different last name. But he he kind of ran a bit like one. He ran a bit. Remember that um, Hill Dog also wanted some sort of universal health care at one point in her. So we've had two Democratic presidents in the modern she, area who have who've uh, acquired. Non-biological father surnames. Not bad for the Democratic Party. They're representative of all people, of the common man. You can't get more common than that. So, what what are we going to say about Brandon? The, the, no, the gross hypocrisy that that occurred today, or actually it occurred back in November, where phony baloney Biden had classified information taken from the White House. He was not entitled to because he was vice president when he took it. It's not like Trump taking classified stuff because he's president and he can. No one has debated that. Was it? Yeah. So what? Uh, why we'll is find, it? We'll find us and read us the news story. Well, we don't know that. We don't know what the contents yet. It's well, part of sealed. Uh, it's part of sealed evidence. They say it's what, about. What I, I really want to say is I really like in Brazil is that we're seeing both sides of the are aisle you work the conversation with Lula but... to kind of crack down on this weird insur- I don't like calling it insurrection. I like calling it like a weird riot at their you, government building. You were told I that think you the Brazilians the word care weird. about their democracy more you because they haven't use had it as weird. Much. There's nothing weird about. Massive amounts of people thinking the election's rigged, especially when it's Simply decided by two percent. Because the guy who is usually hospital prone more than anything keeps making up stuff. Well, you know what that same crowd. Bolsonaro was you know, ki- come on, Bolsonaro. I, I know like hardcore right wingers in my family who are off put by like Bolsonaro being kind of out there. Yeah, but he, 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 he didn't have his screws head on straight. Same but with about Trump. That same Trump, family member, I'm like, sure, hated Trump. Because there's a certain pompous 
desire to be the director of other people's destiny that makes you feel sophisticated, especially if you're educated. Sophisticated politically is not really a sign of education. It's a sign of intention. You actually want to know I, I would have to what say. is consistent among political parties. And what is consistent is that the extremes of each, each party are obviously inconsistent. What is dead serious is the amount of mistakes each political party makes decade after decade after decade what, on what a I false say, premise. What I would say is that, like, given my time in university and seeing a lot of people in the military in the DMV area, is that what I kind of took out of it is the that... The DMV area, if folks, is Maryland, metropolitan Virginia, Maryland. D.C. Yes. Uh, the Mason-Dixon line. What I kind of seen was very much, like, you know, in the United States that there is a big sort of, like talking past each other when it comes to a two set of values that have been created from those who are in the military and those who have gone to university because both kind of have this attitude of well this is what the country should be rather than you know i almost feel like reagan where it's like who are these people to tell you what to do okay but and please define what side comes me, what it, time out you got to define the two sides you're, you just which is military me. and university line thinking i understand but they're together or they're separate? They are polar opposites of each they're other? They're not polar or opposites, they think, but they're, they think they're kind of like, okay, how do I put it? Like, you're, Do they think alike or not? They do in some ways, but differently in others. Um, one really likes kind of, a, they, they both love credentialism, and they both kind of want someone to be top dog. You know, whether they just have different ideas about how that Yeah, dog corporate is. ladder kind of mentality. Corporate ladder kind of mentality is kind of something I saw, and I realized... Well, by, it's vital in military. And... and in some places, a lot too. Not, that's wrongly said. It's not. It's uh, what you said is vital in the military. You have to have a top dog. It's also vital in commanding kind of university officer. settings. Um, but what I'd kind of seen was that I realized after getting out of college, I was kind of brainwashed in a similar way to people who go through the military, which is that like you know it's very much the idea of like a liberal education of liberal values. You know, I would argue that some sections of early liberalism in history had a social Darwinist bent to it, which is that, like, the most qualified, the the better prepared are the ones who should be running the show. And which, therefore we should uh, erase and eradicate to, the others. We, we, we should listen to them, which is kind of even in something in the military culture that you see a lot of. And what I had realized is that I did not want to keep going down the, the road of education if it was going to further alienate me from other people, you know. That seemed that it's like, you know... I valued my education, that it gave me skills, it gave me social ability, it taught me how to kind of, I want to say, overcome my autism. I don't know if that's not politically correct to say, but I, don't, I, I feel uh, like my liberal education... You haven't education, proved to me that you're autistic. You are probably, it may be, you're Asperger in the sense that you jump around like I, uh, I've i noticed, but so do I, and I don't, yeah. ha- I, don't, I don't have Asperger's. You seem to be excitable, which I find is a... A credit to you. I think it's a it's a it's an enchanting character trait of yours, but I don't know who in the hell labeled you autistic. I mean, you were formally diagnosed autistic. Um, autism and Asperger's are part of like the same spectrum. Yes, like, but like it's, uh, I, it's, it's... I know enough to know that the Asperger can run a football team, can graduate from college, can invent cool stuff. You saw Elon Musk say, yeah, flat out on Saturday Night Live, he called another syndrome, which was even more uh, outside the spectrum as Asperger's, and 
Help me with the name. Well, the, the, he it's said, a science. It's a science. And what happens with science is that like sometimes we'll have a preconception. But you're not autistic unless you're telling me that they, they, they formally. I, I've been diagnosed with stuff that is like attention deficit. Yeah, so, but, you know, that's also a product of the freaking public school. They called. They gave no, everybody no, no, HD, man, no, HD. Man. HD it, it, it's, Did you have trouble like concentrating as a little kid and now you're better this, at it? Like doing this radio show. Is so helpful for me because it forces me on a routine. Like, that's how my mind works. Okay, that's very cool. So it, it's like, you know, sometimes I want, like... That's respons- why we built this thing here. <laughs> I, I like responsibility, not, like, too many things going on at once, but, like, enough things. Because having a pattern helps me. Routine. Routine. Which is very much kind of part of that. Um but going in, what were we talking about before the autism thing? Oh, right. The about military the two... and the corporate structure. Yeah. So it, it's very much what I had kind of seen through my time in university. It's especially how, like, you But are... you've never been in a big corporation where you've had to climb the corporate ladder, have you? I, 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 I've been part of startups that I still have. Oh, but out. startups, but not yeah. hierarchies that are no. so indignant you... and structured that it, you want to go home. But you, you see it in the way that, like, I've worked in a huge corporation once. It was a short-lived job. <laughs> I, I got fired. I for, hear you. I got fired for telling the lady that I understood her instructions and that she did not need to worry. That was considered super insubordinate, and I was wow. Fired. Like you, yeah. yeah, you didn't need to be told anything. You were actually going to do it. Anyway. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I got it. Wow. Um, and that got me fired. The woman was so offended by it. Um, yeah, yeah, ridiculous. And the worst thing about it is that HR will listen to her instead of listening to you. Unbelievable. So, yeah, I've never, I, been, I've never been in a big corporation like that. The people working there were really nice, though. I remember, you know, before I had a lot of things under control, I had a moment where I was, you know, I used to struggle a lot with being nervous, and one of my coworkers dragged me aside and assured me and helped me out through it. So the the workers there were really great, but the the management was like, you can't even look in my direction, peasant. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's like you see it in the way that, like, liberals argue. Liberals kind of like will make emotional appeals like, oh, but don't you know that hurts this group or this, that? And it's like, well, the clear retort is, well, what if I don't care? Which is something that a lot of liberals just aren't prepared for. Right. You're supposed to be deeply emotional and empathetic. You're supposed to, yeah. You're supposed to be what they call the Zen folks empath. Yeah. Like, you know, you're supposed to be endlessly accommodating rather than, well, what is the goal and what is the point? You know what I find really odd? And it's very easy to do. A lot of people live other people's lives. And that always leads to depression and underachievement. If you're out to strive for other people's goals and other people's uh, uh, methods, and they're not, you don't take onus of your own strengths and weaknesses, man, you're going to end up living someone else's life. And that sucks. That's a really deep thing I would say that I agree with. But I think another important thing is what I would say is that you got to live your own life, but you have to make sure you're not living it on anyone's toes, you know? Like, I see a lot of people, like, especially young men around, like, you know, well, teenage that, boys. That, that's kind of hairy, my friend, because I don't boy, run a hardware store well, no, to not, not crush Home Depot. I want to crush them. I want to put them out of business well, knowing that, that, that I, I can That's a competition that's, like, incentivized as, like, a sports game, you know? It's, yeah, I had no choice the, but to go after them hard. It's the Reds, it's the Commanders. It's not the Redskins anymore, and the Cowboys sort of rival. Isn't that a terrible name, by the way? The Commanders. What a terrible name! Uh, Jeez, 
Very Mickey Mouse. Do you really want to own a commander's jacket, hat? Do you know no. where the name Redskins comes from? I I only understood it to be skin the people uh, Indians who would fight the white man and skin them. It was about yeah, it was about the people who had been skinned and the blood was yeah. pouring down their face. Oh, they were red faced, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's a little bit But of, you asked the Indians and they loved that whole No, na- they they were very vocal that they did not like no the No BS. They thought it was awesome, a great sign of their strength and warrior and <laughs> no, success. No, 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 no. <laughs> Come were, on, man. They were very vocal about this. You so. ask Indians, they could care less you're calling their... their I mean, national- I, you know why I called them Indians? Indians was thought to be a politically correct term, but they were like, no, we prefer we prefer being called Indians. Yeah. Well, the politically correct term was indigenous Americans, oh, but they've been vocal that, that they're like... so tacky. Yeah. Well, it's like everyone's indigenous, right? Like indigenous Africans, indigenous Europeans... Indigenous Latin Americans. Latin Americans. You know who's not indigenous? The Japanese. Uh, no, I don't think the white guy is either. No, yeah, no. Th- those are the only two groups that really aren't indigenous. That I would say. Um, yeah, Japanese only the, let you become the, the Japanese. Citizens. Like also had a huge thing to exterminate their indigenous tribe, but the Japanese don't acknowledge anything. Was uh, done. was the indigenous tribe in Japan also Oriental looking, or were they different in some way or form? Um. Oriental is like an outdated term. It's like a term that doesn't make sense. It's like anyone who's not European. Well, I know the Japanese yeah. are a little bit but they, more they were rounder. Tanner. If, you're, if you're saying they were Tanner, like a lot of the Japanese are a very mixed people too. They're they got some Mongolian because they tried invading. They the the as long story short, the the dominant ethnic group in Japan are the Chinese who came in. Wow! No wonder they they do battle all the time. Yeah, no. It, it, now, it, how come, how come you? It's kind of hard for the people in the West to figure out, but they themselves are very taken aback if you call a, a Chinaman a Jap and a Jap a Chinaman. They get very pissed off just by using those two words. And I've, I've always thought that the Chinaman one was a funny slur. It's a slur. It, it's a slur, but it was always funny to me because it was just like. America man, Italy man, Europe man, Spanish man. What's, what's really cool about the <laughs> so it, it was kind of funny to me. Yeah, what's really what's really cool about the Orient and the different countries there is one thing that's unique to them that is not to us. They're very very dogmatic and very very disciplined, and I love it because they preserve their culture that way. I mean, that's why they kick our butts here, like well, you said, America's spelling beads and academics. America's and, strength is that we aren't dogmatic, though. Right. America's strength is that well, we no, constantly the, reinvent ourselves and we get back on. Innovation, yeah. creativity, and they only copy and paste. I understand that part. Yeah. But, so it, it, it's like, but they are a massive swath of the population of the e- world. Even so, I would say that's not always historically the case. Like, take for example, I've read a lot, of, as a Buddhist, I've read some texts. Well, there's nine tribes in China. Well, yeah, exactly. How many de- these groups how many are very derelicts, different from each other. How many that, Chinese derelicts are, <laughs> derelicts, uh, dialects are there? Well, even so, when people say, oh, you speak Chinese, that's... No, it's Mandarin, that, Cantonese. Mandarin or Cantonese, that's a misnomer. So it's like when you look at something like... But they have a bunch of other dialects. Yeah. There's a bunch like a of groups there. Do you know the, they actually had like a female Amazon tribe there in China? Really? It, it's an entire tribe just run by women. And if you're a the guy... The hierarchy is women. The, guy, the guy's just... It's a, it's a matriarchy. It's like a legit matriarchy. Oh, my God. I like to, I like to have a whole show you just about You can't stay that. tonight, though. No Man way. You can't stay tonight. If, if you bet a woman, you have to leave. Wow, they'll kill you. 
No, they don't kill you. It, it, it's just like they're customary. Like it, it's a woman-run tribe. Like it's it's a real thing. So who? So the women wouldn't allow you to bet them? Or no, they would. You can bet them, um, but like men aren't allowed. Men from outside the tribe aren't allowed to stick around. So they have to, by daybreak they got to be history. You got to go. You got to head. You got you got to do your walk. You're well, gonna do your walk of shame. You got to do your walk of shame out. Well, there's your homework for the next show. Yeah. I'd like for you guys yeah. I'll get to back hear to you that on here on Blink Radio, WSQFRadio.com. You're listening to the Concrete Conservative and the Radio Socialist together, f- coming up with the 16th show of the Young and Old, bringing it to you interesting community radio from Key Biscayne. Most people don't even know we speak English out here still. And oh, no, yeah, no. I, I spoke English to someone once, and they panicked. <laughs> Is that how you go to deport me? <laughs> she was just like, I know I'm English, no, I'm English, no, I'm English. And then I just switched over to Spanish immediately. It's amazing. That's how us Cubans felt growing up and watching our parents. No, I'm English, no, I'm English. That was in the 70s, you know? And I, 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 I kind of feel like it's everyone should speak two languages. More, more, more. Yeah, I know. Oh, More, yeah, no. one you're, thing you're, Amer- that's the one thing you're going to get the right angry with you with. Yeah, is that, like, yeah, they're English only. They're so wrong about that. It's, even- it's even it's so dumb. Like you know, we eliminate. You get ripped ju- off. How can you do business with people speaking another language? They're going to rip you off. Well, it, it's asking to be limited. Americans go to Latin America, they get ripped off. They don't they don't speak Spanish. Are you kidding me? America, if either you pick up another language, you'll get ripped off. You'll get ripped off by the attorney. You'll get ripped off by the banker. You'll definitely get ripped off by the, the legal system when you're in a foreign company. And guess what? Even your own employee, who you hired because he knows Spanish, if his homie's on the other side, he's going to talk Spanish to his homie and say, hey, let me see what I can do for you. And turn to his employer, the English guy, and give him kind of like the runaround. Folks, pick up another several languages. You know, languages. we eliminated German as a spoken language. They they tried to. They did. It was successful here in the United States after World War One. Anti-German sentiment got so strong, we simply eliminated it. We were like, "This is not being taught anymore." German-Americans, so desperate to get into line, rolled over, and it was gone. Assimilated really fast. It, it, it was it used to be real spoken in the United States, well, and it's, now it's, it's, a it's gone. For, you got to understand, it's two for two, man. Two wars started by Germans. Well, that's a pretty back-to-back. Still, it's it's a goofy, dumb sentiment because... Well, we never really... Uh, your story seems to have value because we never had a necessity for German stuff when we now realize whoa they still make the best stuff around yeah no like like when people correct me on my spanish i'm open to it like i'm a big self-improvement guy like well just this is what i do suggest everybody listening and you specifically when they make fun of your spanish as i've had my spanish made fun of you must reply in auto simplex fashion yes i understand but my Spanish is much better than your English. <laughs> and that shuts him up. I was actually doing charity work with somebody, and he lived in Miami. And he spoke about this perfectly, which was just like, you know, it's like he's a real depressing thing about this city is that, like, they're so arrogant here. It's like there's a real arrogance here. It's like you'll start speaking Spanish to them, and they don't want to respect your Spanish. So they'll go over to their English and their English is worse than your Spanish. Yes, absolutely. And it's like there's a friend of mine who really struggles with speaking Spanish. And he just has such a hard time getting around the well, city as a result. Yeah, he's got to learn to be fluid. And that's hard because 
our language, Spanish, is very harmonic. You know, it's a harmony. You, your words kind of flow from your mouth. But English is very Germanish. English, out of Anglo, I don't know, it's hard. It's kind of like Dutch. It's kind of, kind of vulgar. English is kind of vulgar. Chops, a lot of missing, uh, uh, a lot of letters but, that but, are but not I pronounced. What I do like about English is that it does feel a lot more of a scientific. Well, it's got more words. Yeah, like there is more of a more specific. There is more of an accuracy, but like, yeah. If I want to be warm or affectionate or even romantic, Spanish is very useful. Absolutely. Like you know, there's some romantic romantic language. Yeah, like there's there's a reason it's called that. I imagine. I I'm probably so. wrong. Um, uh, I I would say I would say you're absolutely correct. Not that is not that English isn't a romantic language. Uh, probably it's not considered a that's. Another one of those Google things you got to look up, but uh, it, it it America's really got to be open to multiple languages. I mean, it's already obvious that in this country, there might come a day where English is going to be difficult, really difficult to find in the United States. Basically, at the at the pattern we're going, I don't think so. With well. I can see Hispanics surviving on Spanish alone, man. There's a lot of cities that you don't speak English. That's man, there's a big immigration. Hispanic boom. There's going to be a big Hispanic boom. Four, however, like four point four million of already crossed. English language is kind of like the universal way that, like, for the skilled to understand each other. Yes, skilled, but the common man, common work, common man, common work. Spanish rules in a lot of these cities and slowly but surely will be the dominant force by 2050, some people say. Dominant language. I kind of welcome it. I don't have a problem because I, I've, I've seen, I speak it. If in fact, I, I've, I improve my Spanish because of it. But If anything, like here, here's the kicker is that like what I've seen a lot in Spanish families is a, it's a much stronger loyalty to their family and a much bigger willingness to get along with them. Like, I, I often joke that the, the the Anglo is a godless race because, like, you know, when you turn 18, they throw you out. Yeah, well, that's not enough. enough. The, uh, you, you don't have a good case there. I think that's more independence. But we're more a nation. Uh, dude, everyone who I went pull to college. Your, pull yourself by your bootstraps. Everyone who I know in, in um, who I went, to, a lot of people who I went to college with, with, like, America, America backgrounds. Not like their family. They were always venting about it. Like, they never got along with them. Like, it was a big culture of, like, they do not try to meet each other halfway. It's like, my my parents need to off, and um, they will, They need to understand that this is not their... I need more time. <laughs> yeah, more or less. And it's like, there's even, like, a screw you, give me money attitude toward all of this. Whether It's like, families who are just first-generation immigrants, even, like, even those who come from, like, Europe... Or Turkey, there there is just so much more of a warmth of like I'm going to do this. I'm going out to hang out with my family this weekend. Sorry, guys, I can't hang out. You know. Well, you didn't you tell me that today that you're going to have a family meal? Yeah, exactly. Like you know that that was a culture I did not see up north. Like even down south here, like someone like I'm just drinking with my friends back when I used to drink, and he would recognize like a friend of the family, and he would stop us and make us all say hi to them. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't mind it at oh, all. We call, it, we call everybody primo. You know, but it, it was like... Everybody's it's your funny cousin. That this, guy, this guy's white. He's, he's, <laughs> uh, he, 
But it was like even he had this attitude of like loyalty and servitude to his family. And you just don't see that in many other parts of the country. It, it's it's something that I think would really help. Um, well, you know, you know what some of that is lack of manners, lack of education. And our generation, mine, I'll speak for me as if I could be your parent. My generation's really failed at raising children because of the massive amount of divorce just before us. And now we're divorced. If you're born to a divorced family, you're 83% more likely to be divorced in who you choose to marry. So that can only get worse, not better. And until we turn that around... For, for me, it was uh, my parents never divorced. Either did mine. So for me, I never... Yet I'm divorced. So yeah. I'm, I'm the... Uh, I'm the um, uh, what do you call it? The... Um, the little, uh, uh, I forgot the name. What's the word I'm looking for? The... I'm the, the anomaly. anomaly. Yeah, anomaly. No, yeah. I'm not the anomaly. I am the anomaly. No. I, I am the outlier. If, That's if the word. If you do everything you can, then there's no reason to feel bad about it is how I feel. Uh, unfortunately, it just promotes you more You still have your kids, right? 20 and 30, two different moms. Yeah, no, then. then there's no reason to beat I did my up. best as a father under those circumstances, there, no reason which is beat. something you guys should have admired in Donald J. Trump. Because he had a lot of children with three different women, and they all came out well-spoken, educated, polished, ready to go, take... In numerous affairs on the side. Providing that he, you tell me, has a bunch of children of those affairs, then it's just fodder. Because that's, you know, we're to talk about Bill, you know, I mean, come on. I think people like. Here's the funny thing: is that Bill Clinton. Oh my I God, how many Biden, girlfriends did he have? I mean, I think Biden, how many? How many did John F. Kennedy have? I mean, come on. A Biden, it's, it's Obama, like tacky. Biden, Obama, that's and pious, Bush. tacky crap. Biden, Obama, and Bush have all shown that they're kind of been stand by. The their... two, the two Bushes, father and son, Obama. I know. I know. I've been, I've been the most had recent. a lot of affairs. That came out recently. That senior had a lot of affairs. He, he, if he did, he definitely was pretty, pretty gentleman about it. No That's one, kind of how the greatest generation was. That they imagine just had tons FDR. Of uh, FD, FDR was known. FDR was known to have the same girlfriend throughout those years of power, and then she, Mrs. Eleanor was never around. She was out with another chick. That's what the rumor says. Okay. I, I don't got anything against that. I, I think for me, the... the to big, each his own, my friend. I could care less what you do. Did I say? Did I bring this up that I thought it was... Um, that I was mad that the press attacked Roger Stone over being a swinger? Oh. This is something I really hold. I, I, I Roger Stone's a I'll terri- support you on that one. Roger Stone is a terrific character. He is a Batman villain made flesh, and he knows it. He has so much fun. He's a bad mother. Being such a foil. He is so cool. But I thought it was so... I, I remember... Like going Roger, if you're listening to this show now or or anytime, you're always welcome to come here to Blinker Radio. And we'll Roger, if you're listening, I think it was uh, bull that the press um, tried to shame you for being in a swinger relationship with your wife. What's that, up? That's nonsense because that's a consenting adult relationship. And you're still with your wife. You haven't cheated on her. You haven't left her. Was that uh, by the, uh, the was that for, uh, his first marriage? Let me check that. Like it, it's but I I thought it was really. I think it's nonsense to attack someone over being. I a swinger. believe I believe it's all it's just pious, plain and simple. It's kind of cheap to even continue to talk about it. So, of all the things that you want to look up that we've talked about today, why don't you look up those things instead? Well, here let me look up how many. Okay, I was one child. 
Yes, but not with his present wife. And his present wife is overcoming uh, cancer, and therefore uh, it's all good. And he's been under a lot, and he's, he's a stand-up guy who stood up and said, I'm not going to turn on Donald J. Trump because you guys want me to. You guys are just making up lies. It just none of those things happen. And yeah, and it's really unfortunate because he's a perfect example of what was done to Donald J. Trump. And if he doesn't get reelected in 2024, what is we as American voters saying? We're condoning the coup of an American president who happened to give yeah. us a higher quality of life than we presently he have. He tried now. a coup. That's what it was. It Not was a try. They deposed him. You know, they deposed him, period. Yeah, he, he, fin- had, he so finished Roger out Stone's the term. Roger Stone's had two wives. Roger and, Stone's had two wives. Yes, he has. Yeah. That I knew. I just wanted to know where that statement was coming from. Did he have the swinger relationship with his first? That's a good question. Ah, uh, good. I'm glad it, I'm glad we don't have an answer because it's kind of tacky. What I do found... It is, but it, it's something that we were talking about, families and politics. You started and, talking about that. Yeah, and I... It, no. All right, so... Wait, I'm going to change the subject here. Because I said something in the beginning of the show that I wanted to clarify because I was kind of uh, opaque in my description of something that I was seriously enjoying. Secret government payload on the USS F-67 that is going on the Megatron at Kennedy Space Center with the infamous Falcon Heavy rocket. And it'll be launching at 5.55 p.m., Launchpad 39 in Titusville, Cape Canaveral. I just wanted to clarify that because I've been looking for that since I read it earlier today. And it, and the video is just, I mean, the, the, they're putting this thing on top of a rocket is the coolest thing. I mean, it is mind-boggling. And it has, uh, I think it's 27 rocket engines underneath it. You know what a beast is getting ready to launch on Saturday. The world is going to shake. We're going to probably hear the rumblings here in Kibiskan. It's so intense. So look out for it. Hopefully, um, it'll hopefully it'll be a little bit delayed because by six o'clock it'll be dark enough. But if they just delay it 10, 20, 30 minutes, it'll be pitch black, and that beast is going to look even bigger. Sorry for the change of direction on the conversation, but since I had mentioned in the beginning, I wanted to be more detailed about what I'm fascinated by, the Falcon Rockets. So here we are, another day and another dollar, and we are looking more and more like a bunch of drools who stagnated, who voted itself, I called it voting yourself out of existence. I'll take that as a tactic admission that Biden won the election. Ta- yeah, you could say you could say that because yeah, because I can't prove it otherwise. But you could see the error, the sin of omission is so great. Never underestimate the negative consequences of sins of omission. And like in 1960, that was just as scandalous. We're living the mistakes of the election of 1960 today. And guess how we're going to live. The 2020 election and food lines, hyperinflation, and a war in Europe. It's going to get nastier and nastier and nastier. Because unless someone takes out Putin, 
Europeans, once again, are playing dove because America's coming in strong with billions of dollars of aid. I feel like at this point, but the what Germans kind of aren't giving. Happen is that America needs to train. I kind of, I, don't know, I believe in a lot of what um, George Orwell said is that we need a United States of Europe. The EU kind of needs to be more and more bonded together. They're never going to like each other. There's too many languages and cultures. you got to get over that. They're gonna they got to get they're over that because be... they're always going to be looking down the barrel of Russia's gun. Guess just what? Just with their put. I said in our very early shows, one or, you know, number one, two, or three episode, you and I, I told you flat out, we imposed an arms ban, personal carry arms ban, on the European citizen within the Marshall Plan. We got to train. We disarmed Europe so that we could be armed. Hello? We got to train Europe how to kind of set its own defenses and how to accept countries into its own region because it, it's ultimately like... What did I say in my book? Yeah, you said that. I said turn to Latin America, abandon Europe. Yeah, but the point is... is we that stop stop trying to get Europe to do anything it wants. I, I kind Let of agree. Resource-wise, resource wise, Latin America is a lot stronger than Europe. But what I'm saying the is that... The strongest, like, Can you let me make point. my point? Because you're, still, you're, you're you? making a different point than I'm making. And I'm sure it's perfectly rational. It's perfectly valid. Because you read it in the fiscals. Yeah. But what we... What we need to see is like a Europe that is able to take on and protect its own sovereignty without America having to constantly bail it out. Because at the current point that Europe is, it's just it's just going to be this weird strategic place that it's not really happy about our existence, you know? Like Europeans get along with Americans. Yeah, but they don't but like they, that our bases are all over yeah, the place. Exactly. And they don't really feel they feel like a large portion of the American identity and it's been this way for over a century that a large portion of the American identity is just strictly not European like if you want to know when do I become conservative it's when I hear a European crap on America ah there you go kiddo it's when I hear a You're European coming crap around. when a European craps on America that's when I suddenly become what was that famous general who said oh, we want you to leave Europe and the American general turns to whatever putts probably a French guy he goes, uh, does that mean our our war debt as well? <laughs> you want America to leave? What do we to excavate all those bodies that are all over your valleys in beautiful cemetery? Have you ever seen the American? We had to clean up their mess twice. No, twice. We're going on a third time right now. Yeah, no, and I, and I get that's the concern. It's I, I th- if America didn't do what it did in the Ukraine, I know that uh, my Republicans are all of a sudden trying to be anti-war. Only because Biden's uh, provoked this mess to begin with. I don't think anybody I can think tell Obama me. I think Obama and Bush have most of the blame. Come on, Putin would not go into Russia with Trump in the White House. Everybody knows that. He wouldn't even arm his troop on you the board. You don't even know that. Well, guess what? It didn't, I do know you that. You don't know that. You know why? Because it didn't happen. That's why I know that. So it's it's an unknown. No, he went into. Cr- this is a Rumsfeld unknown known. No, that's not true. Obama, when Obama was president, he went into Crimea. When Bush was president, he went into Georgia. Yeah, they, 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 those were the guys that... No, you um, can't rationalize it. Those it, were the guys who were giving Putin the okay. I remember very much um, the late, great Christopher Hitchens um, was a Trotskyite in his youth and then kind of conservative toward his final days. You mean like George Soros? 
Uh, no, George Soros, I don't think, was ever, yeah, like, was would, ever a communist. I, I know what you said. George Soros was never a communist. He was a fascist. He was a little kid. No, he wasn't. He, he, he was, he no, was he wasn't. obligated to audit and uh, inventory that's all, all the Jewish pro- art. That's all Hungarian propaganda. Oh, it was all a lie. Yeah. It, it's all Hungarian propaganda. No, it is. Because he didn't do that. The, uh, the man he was with did that. The man who was his caretaker, he was like 10. And he was just trying to make by and not Take get an inventory. caught by Young kid. what was essentially an ethnic cleansing around him. So if he's yeah, guilty, at ten, it's kind of hard to blame anybody for anything. If because that 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 charge is like saying that he's guilty for being a ten year old and sticking his head down and not joining a resistance. Then, yeah, yeah. Well, our, our some of our popes are, are John Paul was accused of that as well. Yeah. Same with Benedict. So it's that's the sort of charge against him, but. Um, Going back, it's what was I talking about before that? You know what? If you're looking to me for memory, you're in the wrong place. This is what happens when we have someone who's senile and someone with ADHD. Is that yeah, man, we I'm, have to judge from? I'm Joe Biden. I'm Joe Biden's mini me. Yeah. You know, I'm the, his better side. Come on now. <laughs> you know, uh, 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 they found these boxes out today. Joe Biden is such a funny president. Can we just admit that it's kind of great to go from like. An old man Republican to an old man Democrat is that they're both really funny. Like uh, Biden has had lots of funny things he said. Absolutely, he, like, he deserves to be on someone SNL. Someone was like, "How many genders are there?" And he was like, "At least three. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was another one where he's like, "I'm with the BBC," and he goes, "BBC, I'm Irish." Uh, uh, and then he gets lost in London when uh, when the the Queen Mother passes away. Oh, that's another good one. Uh, he comes late. He comes late to the events. Yeah, I mean, terrible. Uh, my, my favorite. Instead of being there a day before, you know. My favorite one was after he got elected. Uh, he was with like a bunch of like Black Lives we, Matter activists. We invented the most corrupt. But he was with a bunch of Black Lives activists in a Zoom call, and he was just like, "Come on, what do you want from me? I called him a racist. What do you want?" <laughs> You know, and they all look so if you sad. don't vote for me, then you're not a black man. That was just funny. It was, was, just, it was funny. It was funny. But it, it's, it's, it says what's in his core of his person. You have to remember, he was a pretty... Racist guy. He was a pretty racist guy. And then the best job he ever got in his life was politician. from a black guy. Really? Tell us more about that. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Oh, <laughs> that's he was a good vice one. President. Now, that so, was funny. Of course he's going to be like, come on, I'm into it, y'all. Like, every white guy goes through that the moment they're cool with black guys. It, it's just an unfortunate part of the You mean it's a big journey. deal? <laughs> that it's like they get, they get just too excited and they want to be in. They want to be in on it. And that, uh, that's what it, his it You really Ain't Black. Is, it really is that amazing. That was his You Ain't Black moment. It really is incredible that Obama had everything going for himself and he blows it right from the get-go, picking him as on the ticket. I think it was a good choice. Yeah, because he was willing to be the bag man. Because look, hey, we're going to get rich doing this, and you're taking all the dough, and you share with me later. This is how it's going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. Like, I don't like a lot of stuff Obama did foreign policy-wise, a lot of things economically, a lot of things, even politically. I love that he was a ninja. I think that he always played best optics. Obama was the optics kink. Obama always knew how something was going to look. Obama always... Okay, that like is even true. Even as people on the left who tried flanking him from the left, he always knew how to outmaneuver us. He would go to Occupy Wall Street and say, "Listen, you know, 
There's right that there's corruption, but there's nothing wrong with making a profit. We can't come down on these guys. Well, he did. He made a tremendous amount of profit when he laundered $280 million in different currencies, landed on airport in Tehran with the excuse that he was freeing hostages. And that's, that's federal money laundering. And the money was awarded by a world court over, I think it's called reparations for the hostage uh, taking uh, back in the Reagan days. And that world court decided against the United States. So he gave them the money in the different currencies. He got away with it. And then his optics were, um, you know, sea level rise, climate change, the whole environmental movement, optics. And then he goes and buys on the beach. I mean, come on, man. Hello, woke up, man. Woke up, woke yeah, up, no, man. That, that was exactly what happened. Is that it's exactly what happened? I saw that and he his was... net worth went from four million, I think it was, because of his book, to I, over two hundred million. I saw that between he was him like, and Michelle, really good at playing the liberals on my campus. Like I, I really saw it. Like I remember, there was not a time that I felt like I was like the term. Are you that... including or excluding yourself? No, the the term that I felt time really politic like you know, I hate this word because people who are overly emotional use it. Um, but the only time that I felt really gaslit about what was going on with the country, with Bush, it was pre- everyone was like, "Ah, um, who believes a word he's saying?" Yeah, yeah, everyone was like, "Oh, this guy's a doofus." Oh, like they have no idea what they're doing here. Like everyone had the sentiment, but with Obama, it was just like the guy was untouchable. Did like, did uh, Bush go to your campus too? No. But like not go to the campus, but just the way people talk about it. Like when Ted Cruz shut shut down the government, people would act like, "Oh, oh, he's so bad. How could you do this?" When like you know, when the Libyans attack the embassy, Mm -hmm. and Hillary goes, "Oh, there's a movie. There is a movie that did this. This was because the movie, not because we went into their land." Yeah, uh, yeah. The excuse behind Benghazi. Yeah. Everyone bought it. I remember people look at that. Yes, me. including they, they, Romney. They looked at me <laughs> like I was running against Obama. Holy they looked at me a... like I was a 9-11 conspiracy theorist or like a real nut job out there that I had said this, that this is like, I was just like, no, the common sense is that we we screwed up in this region. They're mad and they want us out now, right? That we were it's trading around. Before. They, they were trading around guns. They got they, We got caught and now they want us gone. And that that, that was just... That was like a conspiracy theory to my campus. Wow, Marco Rubio used to say that often publicly. Uh, that the gun running, Hillary Clinton's Department of State gun running, and the, and the weapons ended up with the ISIS forces in Syria. Yeah, so it, it, it's like Obama, when you went after him, he made you feel crazy because he was just so smooth. He made you feel racist. No, I didn't How feel dare. racist. I didn't feel racist, but like Obama was so smooth. And so charismatic that he could always play off whoever was attacking him as the loon. He definitely was a Teflon man of the Democratic Party. You know, and he, he actually he, beat Clinton in that yeah, regard. Oh, yeah, because Clinton was pretty not good hard. at <laughs> Not hard. Uh, Clinton was pretty good at that as well. It's one of those things where I must say we haven't really come to grips with the fact that there's rules of the game. Right now, as we speak, that we can't win the hard fight until we're in a food line. Well, until I used to, until I used to think that way. Unless I, that that's that's how the far left talks. That it's like Americans aren't going to give up. 
this country of theirs and this political system of bourgeois democracy until everyone can't get anything anymore. It's happening as we speak. We already the, the, the COVID was the test run where you actually were in a Winn Dixie here in Cubiscay and you didn't see stuff on the shelf. You're like, whoa, what a supply chain. It wasn't lack of the product, it was lack of the product in the market, meaning sitting somewhere in some cargo ship or in some port and no drivers to drive the stuff to the store so that you and I could consume it and buy it. And it was a collapse of capitalism for the first time in my life. The stuff that is synonymous with Cuba and other closed societies where, you know, it's the same ham and cheese no matter where you go. And everything on the menu is chicken. Well, we were getting there. And thank God the party was temporary. Because now you had, you woke up this morning and the FAA has problems in an airport and shuts down all the planes like at 9-11. And then you're reminded of 9-11. And the big mistake that I see, talking about political parties, and when there isn't a fine line between us and them, you get this mushy middle. And uh, I, think, uh, I think Reagan would call that the pale pastels between the parties, is the Republicans created and doubled the size of the federal government with the Department of Homeland Security. And that is unexplainable because, yeah, you can say, like we can always say, oh, we'll, we'll feel more secure today until tomorrow. I mean, this is what I would say to that is the big problem is that you would prescribe this to party politics. When it's I, really one. It, <laughs> It's not that there's really one. That's what a lot of people say, and it, it, there's truth to it. But what really happens is that we have to think about what is the class interest at play. When these guys go in wanting to be rich, they're going to do more things that benefit a political class. They're going to do more things that lobbyists want them to do, so on and so on. Like This is the central problem that we see. And this is why I take the political stances that I do, is because it's like, okay, I look at everything. You know, politics is really situational to the moment. And I go, well, we have a federal government. We have a representative democracy. And I think we've seen... We don't have a representative democracy in the sense that you're saying it. We have a republic. Yeah, which is a representative democracy, that we elect people who represent our constituents. Okay. Yeah. As states. As states, exactly. So to me, I look at it and I say, I look at what do Americans need? And I think, well, let's be diverting the needs of the people primarily before we can really start to function again. Because I, the major thing I've seen from all the countries I have grew up in is that when you really have a failure of a political class, which gets called corruption... That's when people start to get really cynical and really nihilistic about the state of their country and who runs it. Do you believe we're there now? I think we got really close. I believe we're there now. I think we got really close. I believe we're not only we're there now, but your generation's not going to save itself from itself because of what we did to them and what we did to you. I think there's a possibility that might happen. I mean, most of my political posturing and position is based on a deep sense of guilt for what we did to you. Not only did we not give you stable homes to grow up in, we gave you 
a lot of government debt, a lot of skewed lines, and we've allowed you in that failure to call our group of people who want to have a government that only works for the government's sake so that all ships can be raised. In other words, concentrate only on the tides. And the tides mean the infrastructure of the country, the justice system of the country, the law and order side of the country, and nothing really beyond that. I'm sure if you could point things out, there's other things like, you know, maintaining our national parks, maintaining the the water supply, um, guaranteeing the shipping lanes worldwide so that our products get to market, that we export and that we import. And that's the part the rest of the world has to understand about the United States. There's something that we're doing worldwide in capacity is to guarantee that those ships make it from one port of call to another seamlessly without pirates, uh, you know, invading, uh, conquering ships like they did in Somalia. My, my first major goal would be, um, like, the real thing. Like, if you made me dictator and I had, like, supreme power... And I could just wish stuff upon the country. Are you going back to the comic books? Um, I would just bring back, um, like, manufacturing and industry. Yeah, very complex because... Yeah, as I said, I'd I'd want all this imaginary power to do that. That would lead to the the United States to start subsidizing certain low-cost lines of goods. And then it becomes a battle of which lines of goods. And then here goes the corruption again. Those industries would start paying politicians to make sure that their line of goods... But at least we would have for right now. First, I think you'd be really happy. We wouldn't be, you know... It'd be very hard for me to, to sell. We would, we would if no we made a hammer in the United States, and there are hammers here, as opposed to the ones that Ace Hardware buys in China, the difference is almost five bucks per hammer. I remember... Um, and therefore eliminating my profit. I was... At the startup that I was working with... Um, you know, we we made these little knickknacks, and we had a guy... Like gifts, toys. Yeah. We had um, little knickknacks, and a guy said, you know, these are really nice. I was laid off recently, and I wish I could have been working on something like this here. But the problem is, is that, like, you know, it's too hard for startups to start producing in the country. You can't. Like, you know, I, I, have, I have other friends who also do business in China. Yeah, like the American flag... You know, printed or embroidered in China. Yeah. Like so, it's it's a real thing. Like if we can, if we can get things working, manufacturing and industry in the country, and well, that's just one way I think we can see this turn around. Is that people feel better about the country when they have a stake in it, when they're part of it, or just have a job. Yeah, exactly. Period. Yeah, yeah we've you, encouraged you, people not to work because of this communist coronavirus, and what's really sad is that we don't even. See it as biological warfare. We don't see what happened today with the FAA as as a as a cyber attack. We'll just listen to what the press tells us. There's no proof. Yeah, there's no proof. Uh-huh. Sure. Okay. What am I gonna do? Spend all day trying to prove to you that there is proof? Well, I'm not I don't That's have how it. proof works, unfortunately. Unfortunately, you either show something that's debated later, as if we already seen that before. We were told that a lot of things about the coronavirus that just wasn't true by the highest of authorities, Dr. Fauci, Lynn Napoleon, and others. And we ignored truth tellers for a long time. 
And now kids have speech impediment problems. Kids are, you know, two years delayed in development in the younger ages. My poor daughter uh, missed out on her senior year and her first year of college. It was all Zoom. She couldn't possibly pass organic chemistry uh, on a Zoom call. She just didn't, lost interest in it entirely. She said it was too hard to learn scientific stuff through a camera. And on all the mumble-jumble surrounding it, look, she lost an opportunity to be a veterinarian, which she wanted when she, since she was in third grade. She wanted to be Dr. Doolittle. And because of freaking COVID, uh, it ain't happening. Not now, maybe later, but it ain't happening now. She's 23, 24 years old, and she's um, right now studying uh, business, Plan B. So these things are quite real, that this thing really was misrepresented in the press and a lot of hubula for the sake of beds in the hallways, beds in the staircase, body counts, bodies in storm rooms, people dying everywhere, uh, hospitals being overwhelmed. And how much of that was part of the hype? And guess what? It turns out we shouldn't have been inside. We should have been outside. If there was ever a time to work at, uh, work at home, and not be around each That's other. That's unfortunately inside. how science works: is that it doesn't have the answers immediately. Yes, uh, I think you you prepped me for that minutes before the show began, and the truth is that as much as your statement sounds truthful, the other statement that and you it also is, made it, it's truthful because it is true because science is a method, like it's not something that immediately conjures up the truth. There's a reason that like. Even every generation looks back at the last one with a sense of like, how could you do that? Is because we are constantly given the best information at the moment at hand. Like we never have the answers immediately. And the problem with this whole thing is that it's really easy to go in hindsight. Well, we know we should have done this. Like, remember, Fauci was wrong that he said masks weren't effective at first. That was literally something he said that was wrong. Yeah, and then he, he went back on in the, exactly. same, in the same interview. Because because this is how kind of how things function. Um is that we don't know what's going on. We don't know we don't know what we don't know. Exactly. The reason why I disagree with you is that we didn't know and we hit it because we were involved in something that was disastrous to the human race. And it's very criminal what was done. And it was bioterror and it started back in two thousand thirteen. That's where I played the proof of the whistleblowers who found the documents in the Department of Defense. We didn't know these things. So I wouldn't doubt, the cynical side of me says now, that the very companies that got away with giving us malarkey vaccines. If they knew this was a bioweapon that had been like leaked into the American public. No, Western Western economies, all Western economies. Because here's what I'm willing to entertain, Right. I'm willing to entertain the idea that this was a Chinese development place or even an American... No, no, wait a minute. They got us to fund it. Or <laughs> even an American base in China. That Not was an making. American base, just American because it, funding. And it makes total sense that it's spread in a wet market because it's a very condensed area. So no, I don't believe that for a second. You don't think so? No. Okay. Why do I believe that? I believe that it leaked and it was leaked by uh, an insubordinate or subordinate person and or persons with an S... Who just let it out, let it out in the food supply, let it out anywhere that wants to let it out. It's a biological weapon. Therefore, you can see the communists right away 
immediately allow people in Wuhan to travel anywhere in the world they wanted to except in and around China. And guess what? But China's Event- now the one struggling with it the most. Wow, well, so just people- feels a bit of conjecture yeah. on your part. No, because you don't stretch out the two years that go by. Eventually, those people come back to your country. Eventually, whatever mutations that are still reminiscent, those rules are now laxed, meaning people in Wuhan started spreading out among China. What they try to avoid in the beginning is now all over the place. And guess what? Multiply that times a billion people. Remember, remember, America, what happens at a, and. He can testify this written in my book. It just feels more. What happens when China's 320 million person middle class has the same buying power of our 83 million middle class? Understand the world we're heading into. When that middle class is larger than this one, American companies just have to move and expand there. And they'll keep their stock price on the New York Stock Exchange. And manufacturing will never come back here. Ever, 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 ever. A perfect example is a local company that you all know here in South Florida. Entenmann's. You know Entenmann's pastries and uh, pound cake and all that? The blue and white box in Winn-Dixie? They moved to China. They're not even a publicly traded company. You know, so also, you know their sales also quadrupled. Huh? You know what else is a Chinese company? Mostly through ownership is Walmart. Oh, uh, yeah. There's $11 trillion of American-made corporations, American uh, founding corporations, but in foreign accounts. And a good deal of that is Chinese banks. Hello? It's just reality. And unsad, un- unsavory at that because even someone like Alejandro gets it. Without manufacturing here for so many goods, uh, we're never really going to get out of this mess. And on top of that, economies of scale determine that technologies eliminates jobs. Eventually, McDonald's will only be a touchstone screen. You won't even walk in there. <laughs> you know, the touchstone will be on the perimeter of the store. All the seating will be outside. The, the, they'll be just cranking out Whoppers by touching Big Macs, Quarter Pounder, touching, too, and everything served to you automated, and there won't be anybody. It'll be like a giant ATM machine, and therefore the McDonald's will no longer be a place that you sit down and eat those fantastic french fries. That's what's coming. So what are we going to do? When they don't salt it, oh, man. <laughs> I hate it when they don't salt the French fries. Yeah, man. But it's I, still I really, the, it's still I really the, hate it when they don't. It's McDonald's, the world's greatest French fried story. I know. It's um, incredible. It really is an exciting thing. But what happens when it's no longer needed to be served to us that way? Will the quality go down? Will the quality be maintained? Would a store of you know twenty five employees now become one, two? Maybe. I mean, American stores are already so vastly understaffed compared to like. I go to like I go to like a luxury mall in Dominican Republic. It's hugely staffed. There's a bunch of people. Yeah, they need everyone to. waiting. But to that's t- because it's penciled into the law. The Dominican government says you can't come here unless you're employing a bunch of Dominicans. And then you come over, yeah, and that's good. Absolutely. And then you come into the states. You need help. 
there are three people in a giant chain store. And none of them know the products on the shelf. It's really weird. Like, It's not weird, man. Would you find a word instead of weird? I'm standing by weird. No, man. I'm weird standing is, my ground. It's a la- this it's is a Castle lazy. Doctrine. It's, this is Castle Doctrine. I'm standing sh- my ground. I'll stand my ground and pull one on you. Come on, man. Weird is a lazy way of explaining what you really want to say. It's a lazy way. You leave people like, uh, like, like, weird. Everything freaking weird. I talk to the youth. You are weird. I talk to the youth. You're weird. Yeah, that's why you have me on, buddy. You're the weird. If I was a normal, you wouldn't like me. But I don't really, I don't really explain. I'd be like, you can't can't, say that about Obama. Obama. I I have to explain what socialism is. That's weird. I have to explain this generation? Well, no, it's my fault that you guys are weird. Is that it? It's been this way since the Gen Xers took over culture. Well, you definitely took over like and weird, that's for sure. Like weird. Everything's like weird. Come on, man, express yourself. Say, give me words. I know that you've got a higher vocabulary. It's concerning. It's a concerning sort of vision when I go to another country. And the chain stores are very employed. However, the ones Good old days. locally here, it, it feels as if like nobody knows anything. Not that anyone knows anything, but these companies aren't don't like. It feels like everything in the states has been cut so thinly for profit margins. It feels like everyone just has dollar signs and greed in their eyes, so to the point that profits have to keep 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 going up. That. There's nothing. We're, you we're realize how you just twisted that whole reality? There's a country that's been emptied out entirely for the pursuit of money. Okay. Why don't you see it as things in America have gotten so competitive and the profit margins have gotten so thin that they've got to cut costs everywhere, including customer service. And us, because, because time out. with the same stores in other countries. They've noticed that their competition now is not the store next door. It's the freaking telephone, the cell phone, the computer. Like the other day, I went to Costco after going to an, a medical appointment. I was out in bum, bum, Egypt. I went to a Costco that I'd never been to before. It was packed. Why? people were grabbing them uh, grabbing hold of stuff that they needed right away business owners grabbing stuff they needed for their store inventories buying in quantity buying in groups I was noticing a lot of people shopping two or three carts deep and they were all friends either of the business employees of the business buying for the business or their friends buying like co-op they were all pitching in for these three carts I noticed that and that's because they needed the stuff immediately because it's like consumer-based stuff. But at the same time, I did see TVs, I did see stereos, and I did see large quantities of dog, uh, big dog pillows for a huge great thing to sit in, carpets, stuff like that. But what I went there for, because I was already out there, I Ubered to the medical appointment, I Ubered to Costco, and I Ubered back home. Three trips. And what I really went to Costco for was a large box of 800 little packets of Stevia for my coffee that I can't buy that box at Winn-Dixie. And I hate to run out of Stevia because I got to have my morning, afternoon, and evening coffee because I'm a freak. 
I'm not weird, but I'm a freak. I'm a, I'm a coffee freak. Most people know me for having two or three coffees before I even arrived at Oasis at 8 in the morning. So that's part of my personality. I don't know why I don't have an ulcer. I don't know why I don't have high blood pressure. I don't know why any of these things. But, man, do I drink coffee. Thank God that some guru, Dr. Gundry, on the Internet says high in antioxidants. Very cool. But that's the only positive thing I've heard about coffee. Now, I do drink a glass of water before I have the coffee. That I learned. Coffee is a great way to be able to work out without having to rely on, like, energy drinks that re- just, render you it's sterile. It's just flabbergasting. Have you ever had C4? C4 is my absolute favorite energy drink. It is no, I can't so have intense. any of those things because I'm diabetic. It is so intense that your skin starts to, like, burn. Yeah, watch out. You're going to have a heart it, attack. It starts to burn. It's incredible. It's like I, Red Bull heart attack. No, it, it's stronger than Red Bull. Wow. I remember it was, like, it was around snow, winter, around 2020. And I drank Red Bull um, C4 because I you're finally... You're too skinny to be having those drinks, man. You're going to have a heart attack. And I was able to go outside without Plus my shirt on. Plus, you said you're naturally wired. Yeah. Well, guess what? If I would have just bought online my Stevia, I would have saved, what, 15 bucks every trip? That damn box of Stevia ended up costing me practically $100 when you think about it with all the with all the Ubers. And that, that... And, oh, one thing that Costco did do to me, though, because that's the beauty of capitalism. I said, well, while I'm here, and while I've expended this amount of money to come here, I am going to buy other stuff. And I did. I filled up my refrigerator with all those other things that I knew that I once in a, once in a blue moon would buy when I used to go to Costco on a regular basis. used to buy in quantity a bunch of stuff. I found myself doing it again. And again. And again. And again. So I definitely... Uh, picked up right where I left off pre-Uber. Most of you know that I'm an Uber guy now. I don't even drive a car anymore um, because I don't want to be Tiger Woods. You know what I mean? I have a lot to lose getting a DUI somewhere because of medication and stuff like that. So I can't walk a straight line if I wanted to. So uh, I, I abandoned the car. And that's simple. I just figured this not even tempted. So I got rid of the car. Perfect timing too in my life, even though it's unfortunate. It's uh, it's appropriate now because I bought my daughter a really fast car. What's that song? She was very popular. She had a great hit, a really fast car. And there was a man for lyrics. I, I wish I could remember songs because I, I love, like anybody else, music. But if I can't remember the words, what good is it? You know, it's that's really weird, man. I like music, but I don't remember the lyrics. Totally weird. I feel like it's so weird how people get into music nowadays. It's like with TikTok. Look how he can use the word weird whenever the hell he wants. And not, God damn right. You, damn, he thinks it's my it's my First Amendment right. Well, yes, okay? it is. You got that fascist? It's my First Amendment right to use the word weird. Jeez, you took fifteen shows to call uh, to call me fascist. I thought I was fascist in in the first show. Well, that's how you know. You liberals I, just love. That's how you know my rhetoric is so strong is that I only drop it in a joking way. Wow, that's because I have so many better ways to go after your my nonsense. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Like proving the theory that the the COVID and the vaccines were nonsense and the masks, and you thought for a second that it was just a natural process of science that we didn't know these things in advance. Yeah, we, man. My 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 immune system would have been great. 
I would have been totally out there. Uh, you you know, haven't spent fifty sense. years. You haven't just sense. out there Tell with no honestly. idea what to go on. I totally wouldn't have caught it, and, and I would have been fine. I would have been fine, man. I knew I was going to die, <laughs> and I sure enough, the vaccine almost killed me. Now, do you don't feel anything different with your two vaccine? Nothing whatsoever. No, like any childhood allergies that come back. Nothing like that. I got lucky. No, I think you're quite frankly a young guy, and you'll know later. You know. If something ever does start acting up on you, you can always remember me. Damn it. The vaccine finally got me. RNA. Whatever sued. whatever happens to me, we will just attribute it to the vaccine. By the way, um what's his name? He did not make Malone did not make the RNA. He was one of the person who started writing um papers. He wrote papers about it, but he was part of a movement that began to it. When he says that, that is not true. So he says he's not. Uh, he says he's the inventor of the RNA vaccine, or other people attribute that to him. I'm not, I've never heard him actually. He, he say claims it. that. That's on his Wikipedia page that he claims that. So wait, wait, wait. Wikipedia is not something he claims. Wikipedia is other people's opinion of what he said. Well, there are sources that provide go, this. Go, all right, go for another link. You're already there's already kink in your armor there. No, it's it's not a kink because it's actually. Why don't you just it's, ask it's, the question? It's made up of Did multiple. Doctor Find out. It I be. did, and he did it. There's he was be part t- of a movement that did not prior- a movement, a group or a movement. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, that's how science works. This is me Man. trying to educate you on science. Shh. This is me trying to help you understand. I could see him being part of a team where <coughs> everybody on the team. I know. I know the there gentleman. are many teams. I know that have been working uh, on this on over the years. When so I was growing I, up. Who was part of the team? Who he was invented ibuprofen? He was part of a team, but it kept going on. So it's accurate to say he was part of the movement to get RNAs off the table. Uh, I think you're 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 leaving the audience uh, wondering what's the truth. What's the truth? What is the truth? Well, did, you know what they say. Did truth has a left wing bias? Oh yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, truth is told by the victor, and it's always the left that wins. They get away with wow, like, why lying and stealing. Be, why would you want to be part of a worldview that loses, then? Yeah, I thought really. the right wing. I thought the right wing valued strength, manhood, variety. Why? Why would they be part of a losing group of people? I only honor and impress <laughs> with bank robbers. That's it. I think bank robbers are cool. Why, you saw uh, the movie uh, The Italian Job? No. Oh my God. You know, the, the just uh, the theft was just too cool. Okay, so uh, did Doctor Malone? Here we go. Did Doctor Malone invent R? What is it? Is it RNA vaccine? R? I don't know. Is it RNA uh, vaccine or technology? What would be the better word? RNA the vaccine. Vaccine. No particular vaccine, just the concept itself. Uh, Let's see. Okay. Oh, this is a big expose here. Robert Malone says he helped. What is the source you're reading from for the audience? Uh, The New York Times. Okay, go on. They're going to dispute that. They're going to dispute this guy for sure. Robert Malone says he helped invent the mRNA vaccines and has been wronged for decades. 
Now he's spreading unfounded claims about the vaccines and the virus. Oh, how predictable is that? And this was April the 3rd, 2022. So I can see where you're coming from. He's 62 years old, and they're going to tar and feather him because he's telling us that the science has shown that the freaking vaccine hasn't done diddly squat through Reduce the That's deaths. not true. We've already gone over last time. Oh, people you, you are dying are, now more than ever. Here's, here's the truth. is You were right that there are certain side effects of the vaccine. However, what's across the board is that every single vaccine has an average of 90% effectiveness against COVID. So he's motivated by his 134,000 subscribers to, in, on his Substack newsletter. is all about his money. He's five... Five dollars a monthly cost. For he got to do the rounds on the, on the media TV? promotion machine. Yeah, you yeah, did. So yeah, so this is about the money. Is what you're saying? It's so totally what, possible. I'm not claiming anything, but I noticed that the guy has promoted himself around a lot, and yeah, he's, the he's, people who promoted him, such as Tucker Carlson, don't even seem to believe the ineffectiveness of the vaccine. Well, Tucker Carlson himself was vaccinated while running stories against it, and he. Tried everything, but he was believing the science. Things evolved. If we found out the truth about it, we have found that there are side effects, but there is an effectiveness that the vaccine has done. It has successfully gotten us show, out of the pandemic. Show, show me the show me the evidence. Sure. Is it worth? Is it worth the side effects or not? Worth enduring the side effects that people just die flat out die? No. And people like me. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to die of the vaccine, isn't better not uh, to die of COVID? I mean, what's your question? What's your answer to that question? Well, I th- is it? Yes. And I would say it is easily. And I'll tell you why. Because it's better that the virus no longer continues to spread. How about, the vaccine it, how about killed, if it muta- on, no, you asked, it's mutating? You asked, you asked, and I doubled down. You asked. Because um, here's the truth. If the vaccine kills you, that was a problem with the vaccine. Your, your cause of death is not going to spread. If you have COVID, it's going to take and lash on to everyone around you. So, but you develop, yeah, you, you, you will you die develop and then herd people, immunity. That's because, how all, all, all pandemics in the history of man have been eventually absolved or weakened with by vaccines. Like, uh, with vaccines. No, like polio, with herd immunity. Like poli- no, with polio. Influenza has got herd immunity. Therefore, it comes every year. Flu so we season. should just let as many people die of it as possible. Well, you're just saying that point. You're just saying you should just allow. Uh, you no, know, I'm saying it's a better. Totally trade-off. healthy people no, die. You asked, possible? Me, you asked me a moral question: Is it better to for people to die of the vaccine, or is it better for people to die of COVID? And if you are forcing me at gunpoint to answer the question, I'm saying it's better that something in the vaccine goes wrong and kills a person than if COVID, because COVID jumps from person to person. It's going to keep killing more and more people. So that, if a vaccine eventually kills someone, subsides. that can be worked out. Because eventually here's the thing about herd immunity, it makes it subside. The sooner science, our society gets the way, herd immunity, the, most, the more minimal. We can work out the kinks. We can work out like the right side now effects. Calling, we can uh, work out the side effects. COVID is a disease that's just going to keep mutating. You can't work out diddly squat if you mutating. die. It's already kept mutating over the years. And we've kept up with it. We got down Omicron, you know. Florida in particular, we have a great sunshine state, so we can go outside with much less concern. I have to say, I am happy not to be wearing masks anymore. Which didn't help 
one bit. It did. I read a study yesterday to show it only helped if you were infected from you infecting someone and else. And that is already something. Because, as we know, but that's some manners. people are asymptomatic. That's one thing I must give. Some people are asymptomatic. Absolutely. So, it, 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 it's thoughtful to wear the, the mask because you don't know if you have it. Or you wear the masks because you know that you're not feeling well and you don't want to give it to anybody, including those of you that... Yeah, that's another good reason to wear a mask. It's called manners. Yeah. I must say so, that COVID now, did now, develop some but manners. But happily, COVID is behind us, so we don't need to worry as much. However, if it was a flu season or something going around, it's just a good thing to do. You know, when I felt sick going out in public around COVID time after it was over, like seven months ago, I didn't feel good. Even if the sun was out, I wore a mask just to be sure. Well, you got uh, you got good manners. Thank you. I mean, you actually. Uh, well, that was the, that was the empath in you. <laughs> you actually gave. I, I deeply don't trust people who say like, "Oh, I'm an empath." Like, "Oh, I have an ability to." All feel your empath. flighty friends in college, where they were all empaths. Yeah. Well, I never wore a mask unless I was forced to, like a uh, government uh, function where I had to go in. I couldn't get in. I couldn't give my opinion unless I had a mask on. So I said, you know what? I got other things to do than to fight the, the, the pu- my purity and th- th- of patriotism. I would just wear the mask. And that was a good call. I think that was the more responsible thing. Like, listen, when we were going through it, I didn't think it was a bad thing to be wearing a mask. When I, even when I just go to a hospital, I wear a mask. Because I have no idea what's going around there anymore. Yes. In that air conditioning system. Yes. Meaning, I was I was in the hospital for my, uh, with my strokes in the first month of COVID. And um, I must say, I didn't see a, any, any delirium. I didn't see any chaos. I didn't see any hype. I didn't even see a COVID patient until I went to Jackson. When I went to Jackson, that's all I saw, government hospitals. So don't accuse me of, of claiming that government hospitals created the COVID. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that government hospitals have the common folk, the average folk, the, the mass folk, and the uninsured folk. Therefore, it was obvious that when I went to that emergency room, all I did was see COVID everywhere, all around me. But I never got it. I never got it. And there they were, dying of it, right in front of me. Tubes coming out of everybody's mouth. Everybody was history. And thank God I was there for a stroke. And, of course, they treated me and tested me, I don't know how many times, for COVID while I was there because one of the symptoms of COVID was stroke, clots. That's why I took the Moderna vaccine and not the Pfizer because both Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson had, uh, had rumors or had reports that said that they caused clotting. So I made sure not to get another clot since I already had the stroke. But boy, 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 boy. Eight days, lungs full of water. Whoa. And I have it recorded on my phone. <laughs> I can't wait any longer. I got to go to the hospital. And I thought I had COVID. Again, I did not have it. And there I was suffering the big one. So you get the last, the four, the final four um, minutes. Yeah, I guess it's going to be really interesting. What I mean, did the Republicans finally choose McCarthy? 
Come on, man. You're kind of you're kind of old. That's old news. Yeah. Did they finally choose McCarthy? Yeah. Not only did they choose McCarthy, but in the rules, they agreed to take to sponsor a bill. Of course, it'll die in the Senate because the Democrats control the, the Senate. But they a rule saying that they're going to go after the income tax and the IRS and then uh, and pass a bill for the consumption tax. Hello. I think um, from now on, Republicans should just decide who's speaker through the House through to by the, trial by combat. <laughs> I think that will solve a lot. <clears throat> we should do the duel. Yeah. Just go outside and shoot it out. I, I, I wish. I, I think duels should make a comeback. You know the king of duels was. I, I think duels should. Who was the king of duels? Jackson. Jackson. You got it. Toyota. Yeah, my favorite Jackson story is that there is an assassin probably sent by the bank to, to shoot him. And the rifle, the flintlock pistols weren't very reliable, so he pulls out a gun and sh- fires, and it doesn't work, which happened a lot. So, but the guy came prepared, and he pulls out another, and he fires that one, and that also doesn't go off. And that's it. Jackson. And then Jackson jumped off and started to attack him, and the the heiress equivalent of Secret Service was pulling Jackson off his assailant. Oh my lordy, lordy, lordy. <laughs> And he was, sorry, he was already president. Yeah. Incredible. That's my favorite Jackson story, is that? Well, another good story similar to that was Theodore Roosevelt giving a speech, and a man shot him right in and the he, chest and hit his glasses. Hit the rim, the metal rims of his yeah. spectacles. And he kept on like, giving the speech. Years later, after he won the election, he was already president, uh, he started feeling uncomfortable underneath his skin. He had, he had lived all that time with a with a lead with a lead slug in his chest. Dude, it's incredible how much lead people used to drink out of. Oh yeah, uh, there were it was the actual glass of the day before glass. There was lead cups. Yeah. So I think that's about all the time we have for today. Well, you know, I got one or two more minutes. No, I got seven o'clock. In fact, the uh, the studio clock is wrong. So here we are. This is the end. Of the 16th episode of the Young and Old Show with yours truly, Mac on the Rock, the concrete conservative, and the radio socialist who's slowly but surely becoming, I don't know if he's a capitalist or a drone, but something's becoming, he has changed. I've only become stronger in my convictions. (laughs) WSQF, Blink Radio. Stay free, my friend. If you like our programming on WSQF 94.5 in Key Biscayne, you can also hear us very far away nationwide, WSQFradio.com. And if you like our audio files and our subject matter, subscribe to YouTube Mac on the Rock Rampage. Take care and stay free.